1: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered
2: Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa take it easy Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason.
1: Play like a jet. What does that mean? First Donald. Airing it out, deep ball, separation, caught, Robbie Anderson, goodbye, touchdown,
2: Jets! The whole NFL is watching, A right. fourth and
0: ten, and here they come, make pass. catch, it's intercepted by
1: Mosley! Bell C- breaks the tackle, Bell trying to go all the way, Bell. touchdown, big return for Crowder! And he's going to go all the way! Touchdown, out 85 yards! Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted it at the 34! Jamal Adams takes it away! he hit
2: immediately when he got the handoff. You know yes. <laughs> the q Oh my gosh! Listen, thank
3: you. From the Vivid Seats studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. When you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason, and I am joined for x Quick Hits by the man who is the host of our film show over on our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. That, of course, is Joe Blewett. Hey, Joe, I heard you had a bit of a Twitter meltdown.
4: Yeah, um, Sunday, and it's funny, too, because usually my my meltdowns come when I have some some alcohol in my system but i wasn't able to uh, have any alcohol in my system because i had to go to uh, to work after so that was the downside of sunday because usually when i watch the jets uh, play you know drinking if you do drink is usually a necessity but uh, <laughs> no alcohol in the system so it was kind of a rare uh, non-alcohol induced uh, meltdown but yeah i i did have a little bit of a meltdown just with the amount of hot takes out there that are based uh Upon n- nothing that you see on film, it's it's a lot of things you hear thrown out there, like oh, the Jets need to use more twelve and thirteen personnel, and what what are they doing? Uh, they need to help their quarterback out with more blockers, and then the Jets throw multiple twelve thirteen personnel sets out there, even put Jonathan Harrison at fullback, but apparently they're not doing anything to change the game plan. That's typically uh, you know ten and eleven personnel, so that that wasn't a change, even though it was. There's a bunch of things out there, uh, Quinn Williams and in his you know, fifty or fortieth and fiftieth snaps. Uh he's he's not getting a bunch of sacks like Aaron Donald. Um so he's terrible now. And I had a little bit of a meltdown where I was saying Patrick Mahomes didn't have a touchdown last game, he's garbage. Aaron Donald only has one sack, he's garbage. Cut him. Uh Jalen Ramsey trade him. He hasn't had this and that. So yeah, I a little bit of a meltdown. Um but it is what it is. this season is is, is already tough. And then you have a bunch of just completely false opinions that you know are false—not um, the sound, whatever. But when you watch the film, you you can see these things, even if you're just charted and you don't know what you're what you're watching. Um, you can see these things. So, uh, yeah, it, it it's, it's been coming for a little bit while, a little while. Hopefully, I don't have, to have another meltdown on Sunday. So,
3: Joe, this episode, I thought it would be fun if I throw out to you the observations that I had being there in person watching. And then we'll see how it matches up with what you saw on the film. So the first thing I want to throw out there is Luke Falk. Now, I've said before that I think that at some point Luke Falk might be able to develop into a solid backup in the NFL. That day is a long way away because this was one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen. From what I could tell, being there live and watching and getting more than just the TV camera view, he was holding the ball too long. He was indecisive. There were receivers open. He wasn't seeing them. The offensive line didn't help him out much, but he made them look way worse than they actually were. You tell me. Am I off or am I pretty much on target here?
4: Yeah, you're on target. Um, being a, backup, a good backup NFL quarterback is definitely a long ways away from him. It's not just there uh, you know, there's guys like Teddy Bridgewater out there. Uh, you know Matt Castle, when he was with the Patriots, even though a lot of that was due to Bill Belichick, et cetera. Um, he's a long way away from that. I think he's a long way away from being on an NFL roster. I, I think you know after what he's shown, he's he's gonna be lucky to even be on a, a practice squad, um, you know, roster next year, whether it be the Jets or, or somebody else. Because he's just been absolutely terrible, not seeing the field, panicking, uh, no pocket presence, no pocket movement. Where there's been a couple of times where yeah, there's guys rushing off the edge, but all you gotta do is step up a little bit in the pocket and you give yourself you know an extra second, second and a half, two seconds. Um, and he's just not able to do that. So, yeah, you know, allowing, you know, ten sacks to a team that's gotten three or four over the first four weeks is, is terrible. And even if it wasn't ten, and it was, you know, five or six, um, that's still a bad performance for the Jets' offensive line. But there's no doubt that that Luke Falk definitely didn't help in that aspect in not getting the ball to to open receivers, um, which didn't happen too too often in this game, uh, because they only have such a short time to get open. Um, him not being able to hit those receivers when they're open really look, makes the offense look, you know, absolutely terrible. And that's why you get the things we talked about last week where people are saying, Oh, well, you know, why even have a tight end in the game? You know, Ryan Griffin, he can't do anything when he's a, he's a tight end he who's, he's not a, he's not, you know, Travis Kelsey or, you know, Kittle or anything like that, but he's a, he's a mediocre backup type tight end. And there's been times where you've seen or I've seen him be open and Luke Falk just can't hit anybody. He can't make hot reads. He can't make, uh, pre snap reads. Uh, post snap reads, he panics, he, he can't deliver the ball accurately, doesn't lead guys, he, he really is just absolutely terrible. And it, and that compiles on top of the fact that the offensive line is performing, you know, terribly. That's why the situation looks so bad right now. See, the guy's indecisive, can't make quick reads, and people are saying, oh, well, you know, know, Sean McVay, he, he hurries up the offense. Well, part of a hurry up offense is you need a quarterback who can read pre and post snaps. A lot of, a lot of, um, you know, the hurry-up offense is being able to read the defense and getting a multitude of checks that the, that the you know, the coordinator, offense coordinator, head coach gives you where, okay, you know, you might have three run plays, you might have three pass plays, you might have two runs, two pass, two runs, one pass, whatever it may be. But when you can't read a defense, you can't trust that quarterback to be in hurry-up and be able to, to diagnose that defense and then make the proper checks. So that's kind of eliminated from your playbook. Okay, play action. Play action um, is hard to do with an offensive line that can't block. Take deeper shots. How do you take deeper, deep, uh, deeper shots when the offensive line can't block? So how are you going to run the, and then it, it comes down to a lot of running the ball when they're stacking the box with eight, nine guys. You can't take deep shots. What, what are, what are the offensive coordinators, you know, whoever is calling the offense, which is Adam Gates, obviously, what is he supposed to do? I'm, and I'm, like I said, I'm not completely wiping away some blame. There's been some things, you know, running too many, um, you know, screens at, at, at times and, and not advantageous positions. Um, you know, some of his roster management, some of his game time decisions have definitely been a problem. You know, like the, versus the Patriots, you're down 16 points. You have the ball, um, on, was it, was it fourth and three from like your own 10 yard line, which he yeah, had sucks to go for it there, but you still have a shot in that game. If you hit the first down, you can make two drives. He punts the ball. And then after that, he's calling timeouts. Like there's things like that that are huge question marks. But in terms of the actual, uh, play calling, people are calling it vanilla. I would like to see any coach with the Jets offensive line situation. Um, and, the, and their hand they're dealt with right now with their quarterback situation um, be able to produce points now could they have produced a little bit more and maybe gotten you know a field goal or a touchdown here and there more yes but to act like this offense is absolutely dreadful because of, of Adam Gase um, I think it's, it's foolish to be completely honest and then people are talking about oh the Buffalo game won the bu- Buffalo game Sam Donald. Scott, if he hits two of those shots to Robbie Anderson and and they both go for touchdowns, or even though if they go for 50 yards and one goes for a touchdown, and you're looking at Sam Darnold, what he had, like 180 yards, if he has 260 yards, two touchdowns, and the Jets win, you know, let's say, you know, those those two deep shots lead to another 10 points because of one field goal and one would hit it for a touchdown, they beat the Bills, you know, 27 to 16. And that's the most that anybody's put up on the Bills, you know, the entire season. Are we really talking how bad this offense is? You know, so you have to look at it like, like I said, process versus results is you know, there's a bunch of different, uh, talking points we can get into with that. But, uh, you know, they, they played so bad versus the Bills. Look at the Patriots last week. You know, it's so it, it's kind of, it kind of is crazy. It's really, really overblown right now. And it's, it's been infuriating to see the hot takes that have been coming out. So, um, but I kind of went into many different directions right there. There's a lot of things on my mind. But, uh, yes, it's fair to say that Luke Falk is, is not a good backup quarterback and is a very long way away from being that right now.
3: Thankfully, we don't have to watch Luke Falk again this Sunday. Instead, we get the return of Sam Darnold, which is going to make this game much more fun to watch. And it's going to make it much more fun to bet on. So if you're looking to bet on the Jets... With the spread right now, eight points against the Dallas Cowboys at home. With Darnold, they could be a frisky underdog. Go head over to mybookie.ag right now and sign up. You make your first deposit there, and you'll get it doubled. That's right. You make your first deposit, and they will match it right now when you sign up using the promo code OVERTIME. You can bet on the Jets and the Cowboys or any of the other games in the NFL. You can do prop bets, too. There's a ton of them that you can do involving the Jets and the Cowboys game. You can do a prop bet on how many carries Le'Veon Bell's going to have. You can do a prop bet on how many touchdowns Sam Darnold's going to throw in his return. You can do a prop bet at how many times I'm going to scream out in anger at Tremaine Johnson during the game. Okay, you can't actually bet on that. But if you could, I would say bet the over no matter what the number is. So go ahead, sign up, mybookie.ag.com promo code overtime my bookie you play you win and you get paid Joe as glad as Jets fans are to have Sam Darnold back let's not kid ourselves he's not a magic elixir as you said the problems didn't stop at Luke Falk the offensive line to me was once again bad now when I was there in person you could see it pretty easily but you know the deal Joe with offensive line to really understand what was going on you have to go back and watch the film I did that, and thanks to Michael Nania, I paid close attention to Alex Lewis. He seemed like a legitimate improvement back there over what they've been getting from Coleccio Semele, but the other four guys seem to be just as bad as they've been the rest of the season. Is that more or less what you saw
4: yeah, yeah, Alex Luke definitely looked good, he definitely impressed that that is for sure he could have done a few things better, but you're never going to have a perfect game um and the rest of the offensive line you know looked terrible it, it it's it's there's really nothing else we could say that you know other than that right now uh Kelvin Beachum's completely lost right now. Uh his technique, which used to be good, just looks awful. He looks like he's trying to overcompensate for the lack of athleticism slash strength that he that he doesn't have. Um right now and it's leading to even poor technique. So he's been getting beat, you know all the time. And it's funny to you watch him get beat. He's throwing his hands up and all pissed off. So he's so mad that he got beat because he sucks. Um, so he's been bad. Uh Khalil has Steadily improved a little bit from absolute trash, just to a little bit trash. Like, he's, been, he's been, still been bad, don't get me wrong. Um, but from week one to week two to week three to week five, it looks like he's steadily improving a little bit. Um, so that's a positive, even though he's been terrible. Um, Winters, there's definitely been more ups than downs. Uh, playing next to a rookie in Chumo and a guy like Brandon Shell definitely hasn't helped him. There's been multiple times where, Again, people who don't know what they're watching see him trying to pass off a stunt properly to the right tackle. The right tackle doesn't pick it up. And then it looks like, you know, uh, Winters got beat when really it was the, the right tackle not knowing their assignment and not knowing how to, how to play a stunt, how to take proper sets, whether it be 45 degree vertical foot fires rooting down. They don't know how to respond to certain defensive fronts or, or even to how to react to, to defenders, uh, post snaps. So, um, he's been a little, he's been Better than people think, but he's still been bad. You know, it's, it, I'm not going to say any of these guys have been playing playing you know good. Um, I think some of them are not are bad, not terrible, but still that's that's not very good. Especially when you, you know coming into the year, we thought that adding a guy like Khalil, adding a guy like Clutchio Assembly, the the offensive line would take a step in the right direction. It's taken a, a step in the in the complete wrong direction. And it's another funny thing you hear where you know everything falls on the head coach. Where you know going into the off season and in the training camp, you know, a lot of talk, and I don't think it was uh, with bad intention or with, with bad kind of mindset. People are saying, okay, well, you know, Frank Pollock, he's been with the Bengals. They've had some bad players everywhere he goes. He's a, he's a really highly touted offensive line coach, and I was in the same boat. Is is Adam Gase responsible for the offensive line and how they played? Yeah, now for certain play calls, play action, sending extra guys in, which, like I said, people kind of have false narratives around too, uh, you know, as well. Um, is he responsible for coaching the offensive line? I don't, no. You know, that's the, offensive, that's the offensive line coach. If the offensive line is playing poorly just based on not knowing their assignments, their technique, et cetera, that, that, that falls on Pollock. You know, if the defensive back co- uh, coach, you know, and Denard Wilson, he gets blamed for the defensive backs not playing well as long as the, correct, as, uh, the, the call is correct. So um, Frank Pollock has really been, been impressive because they have more talent than they, do, than they did last year. Coletio assembly healthy. Is better than Carpenter. Um, Khalil, from what I saw on tape in twenty eighteen, he's better with his technique than a guy um, in Jonathan Harrison and Wesley Johnson and Spencer Long that they had the, the last few years. And, and it, it looks just the, like they're completely out of sync, you know, a lot of times. So it's it's been, um, I think, big part of the blame starts falls on you know, guy and Frank Pollock. So it's been uh, it's been really really bad this year. And like I said, having a a third string, fourth string, practice squad, potential—you know—not um, even on a roster type quarterback. The kind of really poor offensive line is really not helping the offensive production. Uh, when defenses are just able to to squat in zone coverage, play the run, and and dare the quarterback to to beat them nickel and dime them. not—it's just not, not going to happen.
3: Le'Veon Bell has been somebody that has had zero help so far because he's had yep. a quarterback. That hasn't been able to take any of the pressure off of him. They've been stuffing the box, as you noted. And on top of that, the offensive line just cannot block for him. He hasn't put up gaudy numbers. But from what I could tell, watching the game in person, he was making more of the situation than almost any other running back possibly could have. There were plays where he actually turned them into a positive where it looked ridiculous. And it seemed like there was no way he was going to be able to do anything at all. And as far as effort, listen people that question this guy you can stop doing that now in the third and fourth quarter of a game where they were getting blown out it meant nothing he was trying to hurdle three defenders to get a first down and he was the lead blocker on the one touchdown that this team had so you tell me joe are my impressions backed up by the film is Le'Veon Bell doing just about everything he possibly can and getting no help
4: yeah, he he looks like the the elite Le'Veon Bell that's at all pro Pro ball level. He you know, he won't get those uh to that all pro level this year because of of what his stats look like and like I said, you'll get those uh those those quote you know, stat humpers that I call them out there saying that he's bad and you'll hear it on, you know, WFAN and ESPN and all these garbage podcasts and you know, uh, podcasts aren't centered around the Jets saying, oh, well, you know, look, Le'Veon Bell has washed 3.5 yards per carry this year, which I think will go up with Donald coming back. But still, it's going to be hard to recover from these last four games in terms of, you know, what you'd want to look at uh, statistically from an all-pro type guy. And you know, people say that he's been terrible, but um, he's been fantastic. Uh, when he gets any, any semblance of a running lane, he, he takes it. He creates his own running lanes, like you said, hurdling guys. Um, even when, you know, typical running backs will – you know, when they're going to the sideline, you know, they'll, they'll you know, kind of concede the run right out of the bounds. You'll see Le'Veon Bell plant his foot in the ground, stiff arm the crap out of a cornerback linebacker safety just to get another half a yard. So he's fighting for literally every single inch um, that he's able to get. He's been absolutely fantastic with the press, um, never saying the wrong thing. So Le'Veon Bell has been, you know, a, a plus addition for this team and what he's been producing, um, you know, on the field as a leader, um, in the locker room, um, seemingly, you know, to the press, he's he's been he's been really great, and I'm really looking forward to to him playing with Sam Darnold coming back. I'm um, looking forward to him playing next year with an offensive line. Um, for these type of guys in the team, for guys like you know Le'Veon Bell, for guys like Jamal Adams, guys who try every single snap and and really put um, everything on the line for the team. These are guys I really want to have success because they don't deserve what's happening to them right now. And Le'Veon Bell coming here, think he can think he would be a part of a you know, maybe not a Rams level chiefs level Patriots level type offense, but maybe, you know, at least an average type unit in the NFL to, to to see what's been happening to him where, you know, the jets are are blocking, you know, eight guys with seven or nine guys with seven and, and having Le'Veon Bell, um, having to run through lanes that just aren't there and having to fight for, you know, just to get back to the line of scrimmage is really tough to see. But, uh, He's been absolutely fantastic. He's been the best player on the Jets this, this season. Um, you know, or at least one of them, him or Jamal Adams at, you know, at this point right now. But, uh, he's definitely been worth every, every penny he's got. And one of the things that's concerning for me and one thing I want to see be done, and maybe not now because you're expecting the Jets with Sam Darnold coming back, even though everybody else is going to get injured because the Jets are apparently built on an Indian burial ground right now. Um, one of the roster decisions, and like I said, there's been some – it's more of the roster decisions that Gates has made, not necessarily the play calling. Um, when you're down in these games 31 to, to 14 or, you know, 3 to 31, I don't remember the scores anymore if they're getting blown out every game. Why is Le'Veon Bell running in, in the fourth quarter? When, you, when you're going to concede the game and you're not trying to win the game late, um, which is another issue, why isn't Ty Montgomery getting more snaps? Why is Blount not getting snaps? We don't need to run Le'Veon Bell, who – you know, after this year, I know there'd be a pretty big cap hit. I know he's here for at least two years or, you know, if if the Jets construct the roster well, he should be. He's been proving that he should be here anyway. Um, regardless, why are you running the, this guy into the ground? So I, I think guys like Montgomery and Powell should see more snaps because he's clearly shown he's effective, but let's not act like he doesn't have, you know, thousands of touches, you know, um, on his, on his body. So I think that's one thing that the Jets should adjust doing, giving the, uh, some snaps to other running backs. But, uh, yeah, he's been,
0: Go to your happy price, price, line. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: Let's talk about the defense, and I want to start with the cornerbacks. Tremaine Johnson. I'm just going to say that I've seen enough of him, and I don't want to watch him Mm -hmm. anymore. I want him to sit on the bench until such time that the Jets feel that it is financially feasible to release him. This was one of the worst performances I've ever seen a cornerback have. Just getting beat all day, every day, penalties on top of it. I believe it was Manish who said that Tremaine Johnson likes to give a cushion. Well, if you're going to give a cushion, maybe don't get called for a bunch of penalties on top of it. Joe, when you watch the film, am I right? Was Tremaine Johnson about as bad as humanly possible?
4: Yeah, and it's so sad, too, that you look at the Jets contract situation with him, and I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I know he's owed like somewhere like $13, $14 million next year. And if they cut him, the Jets have $11, $12 million in dead cap. And then, he, uh, and then they only create like $2 million of room. So are they going to even be able to release after that $2 million? Is he even worth it? Is he worth $2 million right now as a backup? Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a question that Joe Douglas has to answer, but it's getting him out of here might just be the best option because, uh, he's looked terrible. And in the past, what's hurt him is it's been his, it's been his athleticism, which he never really had great athleticism, but he always had good technique. Now this year, he just has horrible, uh, horrible technique where you saw him you know, uh get one penalty with the, you know, legal contact downfield. We saw Nelson Aguilar who got, who burned them deep. Uh, and the Eagles the challenge that I for pass interference, legal contact downfield, whatever it was. Um, and the refs didn't overturn it, which by the way, the pass interference rule has been absolutely terrible. The reviewing of it this year, because you've seen some clear pass interference. That's not called to what's the point of the rule. It's been really, really bad slowing down the game. It's just, um, I think that's going to be a one and done type thing, but um, he got burned multiple times where Guys were, you know, uh, you know Carson Wentz overthrew them, or you know Aguilar wasn't able to track the ball down, whatever it may be. Uh, when he's not getting burned deep, which you know with the Rams, he was always he's always a guy who got, you know, he would let up nickel and dimes, you know, okay, five yards, six yards, seven yards, but would never get beat deep. This year, he's getting nickel and dimes and getting beat deep. Um, and it's like I said, it's not even just athleticism. His technique is just so awful. You see him get illegal contact downfield because his feet become inactive and his foot and his feet get frozen into the ground, and that's why he had to reach out and you try to hit the guy so he didn't completely burn past him. You see when he's playing off-coverage, okay, if you're going to play off-coverage, off what off, the, the most beneficial thing of off-coverage and the reason for it is you're able to take, you know, read steps. You, you take two, three short shuffles back, you read the quarterback's drop. Okay, if it's a, if it's a three-step drop, then I'm going to – you know, attack upfield. Obviously, you want to, you want to attack the near hip to protect against double moves. That's, that's something you do what you want to do technically, which again, he didn't do when he got beat deep. Um, but you want to take those read steps. He's, he's aligning so far inside. He's not even allowing himself to take read steps. He's completely negating the, 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 the benefit of playing off coverage. So, um, it's, it's bad. It's opening up his hips too early, angling his hips off too early, playing too far inside where even if he does make a good break on the ball, he's still two, three yards inside of same being instead of being over top of the route where um, you know, he would be able to break on the ball and potentially get a pass deflection. Like I said, he's so far inside. He's, he's not even put himself in proper position to be able to do so. So it's, it's athleticism, it's technique. Um, he's another one of those, those signings, unfortunately, um, that after the Jets signed him for a big contract, you know, last, last couple of years that uh, he's been reminding me of is, you know, uh, one being Muhammad Wilkerson, who just didn't care at all, wasn't Trump's the meetings. Uh Darrell Rebus looks like he completely lost it uh, he always had good technique and then he looked bad and now you have Tremaine Johnson it's just a lot of these big contracts that the Jets have been signing the last couple of years have really not been working out um, and it looks awful but yeah Tremaine Johnson has been uh, he's not even the number two he's not even a number three right now right he honestly at this point You know, minus the name, if you just watch his play, he's not even rosterable. You know, maybe it's a five or six on a bad team, um, but he has been really, really poor at this point. It's a really big disappointment because of, you know, considering what he's, I don't know exactly what he is on the cap right now, maybe number two, number three, number four, highest on the roster, and he shouldn't even be on it right now based on his play. So it really has hurt the Jets.
3: Let's talk defensive line. From what I gather... and Williams, despite not having 12 sacks, as you were joking before, seemed to have a pretty good game in his very first full game as a pro against one of the best offensive lines in football. He had four quarterback pressures, almost had that sack. He should have been able to take Wentz down, but still, the fact that he was that close is nice for his first game. I think that it's certainly something to build on. Leonard Williams continues to mail it in. This is the weirdest time ever for somebody to do that, too, because it's a contract year. When you watch the defensive line, is that what you saw? Did you see a pretty solid debut from Quinton Williams and another pretty subpar performance from Leonard Williams?
4: Yeah, so for Leonard Williams it's it's kinda it's it is odd um that he just looks absolutely terrible and he's just not getting to the to the quarterback. Um there have been a few times where they're definitely running away from him, but it's not an excuse for a guy who's making what eleven, twelve, thirteen million dollars um, you know, on that on that fifth year of his of his rookie contract being such a high first round draft pick. Um the excuses need to stop. You need you need to produce um Leonard uh you know, coming under a guy like, you know, Greg Williams and even I thought that okay, more penetration, more stunting that you know, take advantage of Leonard Web's athleticism. He'd get to the quarterback more, um, but he's just not able to to do that right now. He just he's just not getting there. He's not producing. I really do not see him getting a second contract with the Jets unless, you know, he's going to give them a a contract around, you know, whatever it may be. You can you can argue that you know people are saying he's a bust and all this stuff. He's absolutely terrible. And I saw something, and this is partial the reason that I went on a complete Twitter meltdown was that, oh, well, he's, he's more of a bust than Darren Lee, and Darren Lee is better than him, which is just, that, that that's really that really is crazy. Um, and you asked the Le'Veon Bell question before, and there was a, actually a tweet I had where I said, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, you know, he's not that good. He I haven't seen him break one tackle all year, and it has nothing to do with the offensive line. The offensive line is actually blocking well for him. And if people are like, oh, you're a clown, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, I don't know how you didn't sense the sarcasm there, but, yeah, it was part of. I lost definitely a couple of followers the other day, but I really, I really couldn't care any less. But uh, yeah, Leonard, Leonard Williams is he's been terrible. Um, he's been really, really disappointing for for me. I really thought he'd produce um, more this year under the Greg Williams uh, scheme. And then Quentin Williams, like like you said, you know, he didn't have you know 13 sacks and uh, all all this stuff, so he's a bust, and they should probably trade him. And he's Leonard Williams 2.0, and people compare him you know to Josh Allen and all these guys now, where you look at you know, the, the defensive line that Josh Allen is playing on right now, you know, Ngakwe and Calais Campbell, who's getting three sacks. I think if Clinton Williams was playing on one of those teams, he'd probably get more production than he will this year because uh, there's literally no attention where he's already drawing double teams um, so early into his career. And again, you're talking about, um, you know, him playing one of the best offensive lines in football. Is it, you know, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, wherever it is, it's definitely top 10. I would probably say it's top five. And, uh, there was multiple examples of him pressuring Wentz. You saw the, the play where he obviously got ducked by Wentz where, um, yeah, you'd like to see him finish that, but Carson Wentz is, you know, elite in terms of his pocket movement and then being able to escape the pocket and break tackles. That's what we've seen him do throughout his, you know, young career. But, um, there's multiple plays where we saw. You know, Quinn Williams, whether it be zero tech, one tech, three tech, where he was, you know, creating some real movement against guys like Kelsey, who is considered one of the best centers in the NFL. And then uh, I believe it's Brandon Brooks, who's the right guard, who's like 350 pounds. He's a massive dude, uh, considered a really, really good guard as well. Um, I know he's been producing very, very well for the Eagles this year. Um, There were some times where he was throwing him around a little bit, where, um, you know, penetrating, pushing the pocket. Uh, and, and forcing Wentz to, to to roll out or to move away. So for his first game, minus you know stats, which I think he actually, like you said, Scott, I think in terms of statistics, you said what uh one quarterback hit, four pressures, five tackles, whatever it was. He actually had a, a decent statistical game. And he just didn't finish that sack. Where if he had that sack, he'd be like, oh my god, you know, he actually played really well. Now look, five tackles, one sack, what a game! But because he didn't wasn't able to finish one play, now he had a bad game. So it's, it's crazy, but um. I was definitely impressed with with Courtney Williams for sure, in his first uh, full game because you know the first game I'm not sure exactly uh, when he got injured, um, but he did get injured in that first game and you know coming back it, it it was impressive and it was one of the the bright spots the lone bright spots of of uh, you know this last game.
3: I thought the linebackers played solid. Neville Hewitt's been okay, and so is Blake Cashman. I'm not saying that these are guys that you necessarily want as your long term starters. Certainly not Neville Hewitt. But what did you think watching in Philly it seemed like they held up their end of the bargain
4: Yeah uh Cashman based on and I think I just said this last time I was on the uh you know on the show with you that Cashman's been been impressing me more just because of you know for him being a fifth round draft pick um and expecting him to to come in and be a starter um wasn't necessarily something he he thought you know most likely going through the season and it wasn't something we were expecting from him because you had Avery Williamson and you know, uh, Mosley, which, you know, we don't have them right now because of just this, this incredibly injured season. I asked this, I asked this question on, on Twitter, Scott. Actually, you know, just to deflect it back to you, I'll answer your question because, you know, I guess I'm allowed to steer this podcast in the way I want to as well. And if not, you have to kick me off. Um, this is probably the worst year with injuries that I could ever remember as a Jets fan. I know a lot of people are going to say 1999 because they had Super Bowl aspirations. Um, and then what Tessa Verde went down so early, but in terms of, in terms of the um, amount of injuries, like I mean you look at Herndon, okay, you know, we're all excited. Herndon's coming back, you know, four-game suspension, have a big piece of the offense, young tight end. Oh, uh, yeah, well, he, uh, he hurt his, his, his leg or his hamstring running routes by himself before he didn't even able to practice. So just to, to bounce that back to you, and I'll answer the question, is this the worst season you've seen in terms of injuries?
3: It's right up there. I would say 2005 might be worse because it meant the end of Wayne Corbett. It meant the end of Curtis Martin. And it also meant that Chad Pennington... And Jay Fiedler, the two top quarterbacks on the roster that year, were both out, not just for a couple of games, but for the entire season at one point. And they ended up having Brooks Bollinger and Vinny Testaverdi coming back off the couch. But being able to even credibly compare anything to 2005 means that it's a really bad injury year.
4: Yeah, and it it really does suck because, you know, Avery Williamson, the guy who um, was okay in coverage, he wasn't great, but he was, you know, near elite. Um, very, very, very good at, in the run game because of his aggressiveness, his strength, his, his ability uh, to blitz, to, to really, uh, just kind of toss the side offensive linemen. He goes out, you know, obviously second preseason game and you see C.J. Mosley in the first game, which I'll, I'll say it to the day I die, um, or until I'm done podcasting or on Twitter or whatever, which may be sooner than I want it to be with how everything is going right now. Um, people said he couldn't cover, and then in, in games in this, um, you know, the first game against the Bills, he was making plenty of uh, playing of plays in coverage. He was making plays in the run game, and we saw what you know, having an inside linebacker as, as good as as CJ Mosley, um, can do for your defense. Where you know they obviously shut out the Bills. As soon as he leaves, they score you know sixteen points, um, or seventeen points right in a row. Um, so not having both of those guys has really hurt the Jets, and now you're you're forced with two backups um to be on the you know the starting lineup and cashman has been he's been solid. He's definitely he has this issue in zone coverage. Zone coverage he doesn't make the cleanest reads. He he does panic a little bit when people overcrowd um you know his zone and and his, his discipline with passing off his, his you know defender or uh, you know offensive players in his zone coverage definitely is something that he's going to need to develop in. But I think in man coverage against running backs, against tight ends, it's much less thinking and just do it. Um, he's been pretty pretty good. You see some of his athleticism, his sideline, sideline speed. His t- you know his tackling needs work, but um, he still has made some nice tackles in the backfield. So he's definitely been a big plus, and it's something that I've, I said you know, uh, recently that I'm interested to see if the Jets continue to let him develop, start him, you know, alongside CJ Mosley, see how he plays, and then maybe you take, you know, Avery Williams in seven eight million dollars, you cut him for that money, and then you dump that into more bigger or bigger positions of need in corner, outside linebacker offensive line potentially even you know wide receiver whatever it may be so um but he's he's been impressive and hewitt i think hewitt is he's i think he's always gonna be a backup i don't think he's ever really you know going to be a starter unless it's in a situation like the jets have right now with injuries or just a really bad inside linebacker back core i think he's i think he's okay um in coverage he definitely struggles um in all aspects whether it be you know passing off zones man coverage he's really not the fastest most most nimble guy so he can't really keep, uh, keep up with any you know tight end who deserves to be starting so that's a concern in the run game he will make a flashy player too but then there's another play where people don't really notice it where you know he'll get drawn into the line of scrimmage too early um he won't stay patient over the top to to uh afford himself the opportunity to to defend against cutbacks where he kind of hook kind of just presses of scrimmage to early, get into a block and you know decide left or right before really seeing the running backs reaction to him so he's been he's been okay but I think he's been a little bit overhyped, but I think Cashman has definitely been, you know, a a plus. And I'm not saying, you know, he would been terrible. I just think he's been a little bit overhyped, but still overall, definitely still give him, you know, a, a positive grade or both guys definitely a positive grade.
0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
0: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet.
3: We know the corners were pretty terrible, but what about the safeties? People have been saying that Jamal Adams isn't looking as sharp this year. I think he's been fine. He just hasn't been making as many flashy plays. Marcus May, you didn't hear much from him in this game. What did you think watching those two?
4: Yeah, I think this was Jamal Adams' best game. Um, personally, personally watching him, uh, and you see him bring that energy. And I don't necessarily love it. I know people are, you know, probably share this opinion with me. But you know, when the Jets are down twenty something points and him celebrating, I don't love it. But I think that he's just so frustrated right now that anything good that he does, he's just really excited about it because there's been nothing exciting about this whole season. But we saw him make multiple plays in the run game, shooting gaps, um, recognizing alignments, and and how the running back track is going, and just shooting gaps. We saw him shoot a. There's an outside zone to the left that he shot from the opposite side. Um, there was also a play over the middle, it was a short dump off to a um, to a check down. And then there's two guys wrapping up the, the running back, I believe it's like Brian Poole and maybe Hewitt. And you, still, you see Jamal add sprint in and just jump on top of the pile to, to bring the running back down harder and see him celebrating after. You see some hard hits out of bounds. Um, he made a few nice plays in coverage on tight ends, where that was the biggest area of. Kind of, uh, that needed growth in Jamal Adams' game he was in coverage, and this year I think he's been pretty good in coverage. You haven't really seen him beat at all, which is a positive because he has been in coverage more this year than any other year throughout his career. You see him you know, taking proper angles to the guys. We saw him get the pass deflection, I believe it was against, uh, Earth where he got that, where he got that pass deflection. Um, so Jamal Adams definitely played actually really, really well this game. Uh, Marcus May, I, I think he's okay. Um, I think he's another guy who, you know, by Jets fans because they don't really watch other players. I think he's a little bit overhyped, and they look at just the result and not the process. Like I said, you know, week one he gets that dropped interception, and people say he jumped the route. When in reality, he was actually really late to respond to the route and got lucky that Josh Allen didn't see it, or, or you know, otherwise he'd have been um, beat for a touchdown. So I think he's been okay. I, I think at this point he's he's replaceable. I think he could still grow. Obviously, this is only you know his second se- or his second season playing. You know, a, a good amount of snaps. Where his second you know his second year in the NFL, he got injured. Uh, for most of it, so, um, he still has still room to improve for sure, but, you yeah, know, I think he's a, he's an average type player while Jamal Adams is, is still playing at an all pro level, even though he might not be making as many splashy plays because he's not, you know, all around the line of scrimmage as much or relying on him a little bit more in coverage than they typically have in the past or that Todd Bowles did in the past.
3: Let's talk about the coaching now, Joe, just to wrap things up, because you touched on this a little bit with Adam Gase. I want to hear what you thought about Greg Williams, too. There are people that have been criticizing Gase heavily for his coaching. I tend to come down on the middle on this, but I also do agree with you that as far as Luke Falk and the offensive line go, it's about as untenable a situation as you're going to find yourself in. A lot of people have been comparing it to the other situations around the league where teams lost quarterbacks, but... A, the offensive lines were nowhere as bad in those situations. B, they were playing easier competition. And C, in most cases, they were just better teams. Kyle Allen is the one that everybody throws in there. But I think the three caveats that I just gave really explain the difference there with Carolina. And as far as Jacksonville goes, I wish people would just throw that one out now because Gardner Minshew is actually good. So we can get rid of that weird narrative. But have you seen deficiencies in Gase as far as his play calls and some of the other things that he's been doing with the offense and what do you think about what Greg Williams was doing in this game as well I thought that he did A pretty solid job. As we talked about, there were missed opportunities for the Eagles, but a lot of that had to do with terrible cornerbacks, particularly Tremaine Johnson. I think overall Greg Williams did a pretty solid job, and I'm not saying that Gase did a great job, but I also think that there wasn't a whole lot that he was going to be able to do given the situation.
4: Yeah, look at Greg Williams first. um, If you really look at the talent he's giving on defense, especially considering that the Jets are missing their their entire starting linebacker core, um, and then you have a secondary where, uh, you don't have any true starters, like on a really good defense or even just a good defense. How many starters do the Jets have that would be on that defense? You know, Jamal Adams, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, maybe even though probably not at this point. You probably have two starters on a good defense who deserve to be starting. So we have an entire linebacker core that's, that's backups at this point. Um, you know, including, you know, you don't have Copeland, you don't have Jenkins, you don't have Mosley, you don't have Avery Williamson. And then the secondary is a secondary that before the season we were talking about being one of the worst secondaries in terms of the corners um, in the NFL. Now, whether you want to argue the worst, the second worst, the third worst, the fourth worst, you know, that's 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 on you. But I, I would say they're definitely bottom five in their cornerback group. So you have a tired backup linebacking core, a cornerback group that is that is bottom five easily. Um, and then the defensive line is not creating any pressure right now. Henry Anderson's been a disappointment. He hasn't been getting pressure. You know, he's had some nice pass selections and things like that, but he's also got, you know, no, no, uh, real hurries or sacks on the quarterback. He also has a couple st- really stupid penalties this year as well. Leonard Williams hasn't been producing. Uh, Quinn Williams has been injured. So he's working with a really decimated and, you know, uh, lack of talented group at the top and in the middle and at the bottom. So, for what he's been doing, you know, and yeah, they probably should have given, given up at least another touchdown because Tremaine Johnson got beat, but you need to look at play call versus the, the talent. that. And a lot of people like to go either, you know, 100%, okay, it's a lot of, you know, coaching is the most important thing. A lot of people are, okay, talent's the most important thing, but I think it falls somewhere in the middle. Um, or if you call a really good game plan and the players can't execute, how much blame is that on the coach? You know, that Tremaine Johnson can't cover a guy one-on-one for more than two seconds. How are you really supposed to negate that? It's really hard to, to be able to do that. Now, can you do that for a snap or two or three? Yeah, but throughout a whole game, um, you know, the Eagles will figure you out. So I think for what he's given, he's been coaching pretty well this year, um, you know, versus the Browns, he had like one big play. The Patriots, they, they shut them down, um, you know, after the first couple of drives, which you can argue that, you know, yeah, the, the Patriots shot it down a little bit and were more conservative, which has been happening. But overall, Greg Williams has definitely been, um, pretty solid for this for the team. And I think you know next year if he is here, which you we don't really know. Um, If you give him another starting corner or two, you give him an outside linebacker, which I think should be the bare minimum that they get at least another outside linebacker and then two starting corners. um, The defense I think could be, um, you know, pretty a pretty solid group, and especially if you consider that the offense will be better and they're put in more advantageous positions instead of giving the ball to the to the opposing offense consistently at the forty yard line and only have to gain you know you know twenty thirty yards just to get a field goal. So. Um, he's definitely been, you know, positive at this point. And then Gates, like you said, there's been some, or like I said, there's been some questions about him. Uh, personnel, uh, there's been too few many screens to sides where it's not really the most advantageous position to throw a screen. But at the same time, you can't really run play action because you know you have to block for longer on a long run of play action. It's a five to seven step drop, um, or at least blocks like it, where they, they're not able to even block for a three step drop. So how are you supposed to do that? You can't take deep shots because that's a long developing route. If they can't block for that, how are you supposed to do that? So a lot of teams are just, like I said, focusing on the box, focusing on the screen game, and it's really shut down his offense. And like you said, Scott, with the with you know the, the offensive line, how it is, backup, uh, not even a backup quarterback. He's not Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon didn't play good when he was versus the, with the, uh, versus the Browns either. But you're talking about backups versus practice squad. There's, there's a difference there where you know people are talking about, oh, well, the Saints, they have a backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback in this league, and you know, it was a it was a highly sought out, you know, uh, backup quarterback. That's why the Saints traded what a fourth or fifth round pick for him, whatever it was, um, to the Jets, when they had him. And if if you're really comparing the Saints situation to the Jets, you're <laughs> you're sadly mistaken. The Saints have a really good offensive line, a really good running game. They have guys like Michael Thomas out there. They have a really, really good defense as well. So uh, to compare that situation to the Jets, it's foolish. And then another component of that is people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, look at look at uh." You know, Kyle Allen versus whoever he's playing, the, the Buccaneers or, you know, whatever game is that people are pointing to. You have, you, realistically, you have to look at all the circumstances, the offensive line, the quarterback and the schedule the Jets are playing right now. The, the schedule is not easy. You're looking at the Buffalo Bills who people say the Jets performed, performed so poorly that game, which on offense, they definitely were not, you know, they were definitely a disappointment, but people are bringing it to the level of like, they, they were, absolutely abysmal when you look at the the uh, the bills and the most points i love this game was like 17 16 points whatever it was they shut down the patriots and and uh you know uh tom brady you know as well so they're a really good defense you play the browns with a ton of talent and got consistent pressure you know on the quarterbacks miles garrett you know just ate Kelvin Beachman's lunch you you play the eagles who have one of the most deep, deep defensive line groups in the nfl and has have a ton of talent at front seven um, which they, which obviously they couldn't block. So, and the Patriots obviously are the number one defense in the NFL. So they've played like four really, really talented defenses. So it's not like you're playing, you know, the Bengals now. If this was happening in the beginning of the year, where where Luke Falk couldn't throw for a touchdown or two, and you know the Jets put up 14 to 17 points, where they, they've they have more defensive and special teams touchdowns than they do uh, offensive touchdowns right now. If they were doing that versus the Bengals versus the Dolphins. You know, even versus, you know, the, maybe the Jaguars coming up because the, maybe the defense should put them in better positions, you know. The Giants, then, yeah, I'll be even more pissed at Gates, or I'll be much more pissed at Gates. But when you're playing the Patriots and the Eagles and the Browns and the Bills, it's it's, it's, de- it's definitely more um, – it's harder on the coach. So there's been some question marks, but there's multiple times this game and multiple, uh, multiple times in the Browns game, multiple times in the Patriots game where I showed that there's guys running open downfield and uh, – and, you know, Luke Falk just can't hit him. Whether that be, you know, on a on a ten yard curl, a crossing route that could be thrown for five yards and turned into ten. Um, there's been times where you know a, a a route will be open, and because he's so indecisive, he throws it late, and then it's not open. There was a time in uh, this last game, the two point conversion, uh, where Ryan Griffin was actually open on the uh, whatever it was, sh- a short stick route, and he was open. And if Luke Falk, who was looking that way, decided to release the ball as Ryan Griffin was was breaking it would have been a two-point conversion it would have been good he hesitates for for you know an extra second and a half second and he throws the ball and then the defender is able to collapse on that route so um he's really been given a, a really tough hand right now gase and like i said i can't wipe him of all blame but to, to put it squarely on him where it's like oh fire Gates right now for what he's been doing on the field i, th- I think it's uh, a, a really hard overreaction
3: Joe, as much as I love talking to you about film, I'm really looking forward to being able to talk to you about film when Sam Darnold's finally playing again. And hopefully the Jets are competitive because this has been some rough football the last couple of weeks. That said, it is very instructive to go back and watch that film because you will learn a lot hope you learned a lot on this show but i think you'll learn even more if you watch the entirety of joe's video breakdowns you can see them on his twitter you can see them on youtube joe for those that haven't checked it out yet this week what do they have in store for them above and beyond what we talked about today
4: uh, a, a lot of honesty it, you know for, for a lot of people who are out there saying you know the jets you know they they don't adjust or adam gates has been doing absolutely nothing if if you're seeing in the first couple of weeks, I'm showing a lot of 10, 11 personnel, and then and then this week I'm going to show you, look how many times they they threw max protection, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, in there, and people are like, why are people saying that? Like it's interesting, or hey, you know they don't flex levy on bell out in, into wide receiver routes, or flex him out, or flex him inward from right wide receiver to, you know, the backfield to show the the young quarterback to defense, able uh, and sh- and be able to diagnose them, or help him diagnose them, or. Why is it Tom Montgomery running routes? And, and the, all these things are are not true on film, and you could see it for yourself. I'm not lying about. it. I'm not just saying, oh well, yeah, they're actually using Le'Veon Bell and flexing him out. You know, it's not, it's not something I can lie about. I can't. I, I'm not that good of an editor. I'm, I'm going to show you that on film. I'm doing it multiple times. Like, oh wow, so some people's storylines are, are definitely false, and there's a lot of really big overreactions right now because of how bad the Jets have been. But the film does not lie, so I think it uh, it would definitely benefit some people to kind of. I think honestly watching the film of how bleak everything is right now, I think it actually helps you see, you know, guys running open and things like that, which was gonna help you kind of with your opinion of Adam Gates. I don't really think there's any help with the offensive line right now. So that's gonna remain a concern. But uh, you should definitely check the show out. It's uh, T O J Space Film, Space Room on iTunes, the YouTube, you type turn the Jets, uh you'll find us there. And then uh the Twitter's at Joe R B thirty one. Um going to be posting the the film over the next you know day or two. I have a good you know, 45, 46 plays I'm going to be showing. And a lot of them um, are the offensive line. So uh, it definitely benefits people to check out the film.
3: Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Go to our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV, and watch his full film breakdowns. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
2: 18 plus.